Welcome to the Arrest All Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. This is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. Hello everyone. How are you all doing? Uh, it feels like ages since I spoke. Um, just back in from a trip to New York and Orlando. We'll talk about Orlando in a minute. That's a phenomenon. For anyone that's been there, I'm sure you'll know. Um, the weather is in a turmoil. I say that because I'm just back from holiday and I'm in the midst of that feeling where your mind is really refreshed and fired up for action because you've had a nice break. But your body is half asleep because you're partially jet-lagged and you are back to getting up at 6.20am when you've been getting up at 11am in a different time zone or whatever time it's been every day while you're on a break. So there you go, that's the mood today. So I'm kind of dragging myself into the studio, all sluggish physically. But I'm enjoying myself, I'm enjoying it, I'm full of ideas, I'm ready to go. When I get that spark, I'm sure I'll hit the ground running again. So here I am, back. Um, It's been a brilliant trip. Loved it. We'll get into that in a minute. But first of all, thank you to my lovely sponsors. Let's not forget them. Let's get them in there, front and centre. They keep the show free every week for you guys. I hope that's a good thing. Uh, Feedback's been good. Numbers going up as ever. Always excited to say that. Means a lot. So cheers. Uh, Found new sponsor, Illustration Limited. Thank you very much for your ongoing support. My agency representing over 200 artists, illustrators, animators, set designers, fashion designers, live illustrators, um, God, whatever else, all sorts, animation. I think I said that already, didn't I? (laughs) Anyway, they're brilliant. They're a great agency, great people, very passionate about the business, work closely with the Association of Illustrators, another organisation who've been looking after the show recently, uh, so go and check them out illustrationweb.com they've been here since day dot and it really does mean the world Hat Internet second sponsor through the door brilliant been doing a lot of great work recently actually to big up the show really shouting about it it's become a really good partnership these guys sort you out with everything from hosting to URLs uh, domain names SEO, important stuff, search engine optimization. So they basically look after your Google rankings and help you get a better one, basically, so that you're going to come up under, you know, random searches, but also make sure that you're on the grid when people do know what they're looking for. And maybe you're lucky enough that they're looking specifically for you, but you've got to be showing up because if you're not, you're in a whole world of trouble. So go and check them out, heartinternet.co.uk. They're absolutely brilliant. They do a lot of great videos, tutorials online. Go and have a look. It's, It's complicated stuff, but they make it really nice and simple. And the tip for this episode from Heart, I'm going to use today's guest as my example. Angela Morris Windmill is an absolute uh, whirlwind of energy, I think. She's fantastic, great persona. We'll get onto that in a moment. But Angela's work these days is, is just so... It's such an eclectic range of, of just stunning 2D, slightly graphic work, right through to three-dimensional, organic. I'm talking using animal skulls uh, with glitter, all sorts. We're going to talk about that crazy mix coming up. But her stuff has got such an air of mystique about it that she's not the kind of person that I would expect to be kind of on social media showing me you know like too many selfies of 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 what's going on in her day-to-day life I don't really want to know what she's having for breakfast do you know what I mean she's that kind of artist where I want the mystery I want the magic I want to see a nice tight crop of a, of a crystal, you know, neon pink skull, which are the kind of things you'll find if you ever visit her studio that we're going to talk about today. Uh, but my tip on that basis, courtesy of heartinternet.co.uk, is use the mystique a little bit. If that's what works for you and you want that little bit of mystery that comes with great artists and performers, then harness that. There's no harm in doing that in the modern world. I think people feel the need to exploit social media and show off every part of their life when it doesn't really work for everyone, you know? There are many examples when it does, and it's fantastic, and we do want to know what they're having for breakfast. But an artist like Angela, I think uh, the power of mystery and, and enigma is something to think about. So that is courtesy of Hats Internet. So thanks to those guys. Last, but certainly not least, Printed.com. Printed.com are brilliant. They, they do take care of all the printing for the show, my own personal workbook, which I was showing to um, a listener to the show, David Howe, an illustrator who popped by my studio recently. I was showing him off the book, showing him why I send this thing out to a limited number of people these days, and I've withdrawn from the email. Um, there's just something about 
holding the work in your hands. And I think um, Angela Morris Windmill's work screams that as well. As I mentioned, going in a studio, picking up pieces of work, looking at the flyer for the open studios here um, on site where my studio is from a little while back. It was brilliant. She was front cover of a flyer representing over 200 different, sorry, over 400 different artists on an industrial site in Woolwich. And it looked amazing. And it just did something else in a printed space. So that's why I advocate what these guys do. Um, If you're like me and you're a bit of an environmentalist and you want to sort of champion the benefits of recycling, I can't say anything better about their recycled stock. Really does come out great. It's got a beautiful toothy matte finish and the ink sits absolutely wonderfully on it. And it just takes that little bit of guilt away and allows me to sleep a bit better at night. So worth keeping that in mind and that is courtesy of printed.com over 90 different stocks all sorts of different finishes doing loads of good work with creative people and doing a fantastic job of plugging this show so thanks guys for your help um i mentioned the association of illustrators i try to big them up every issue because every episode geez you can tell them back off jet lag (laughs) they're um they're fantastic uh they are the essentially the trade union of the illustration industry and they're really worth joining up with because it's a very nominal fee but the amount of times i've had to go for sort of pricing advice in the back end or look at the directories for contacts going to their events they're doing a lot of new events coming up uh, they're doing they're teaming together with manchester school of art to 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 put on the picture hooks conference in association with those two so you know again doing loads of good stuff go and check out the website the aoi.com so without further ado, Angela Morris Windmill. I met Angela when she moved a few doors along in my studio. Um, she's a top, top artist and she had this amazing switch from a job on the high street in fashion, looking, you know, in terms of buying collections, which she'll tell us all about in a little while. And now she does this amazing incredible fine art, these 3D sculptures combined and fused with fashion and these beautiful paintings and She's in her element and her work is second to none and it's absolutely wonderful and, you know, she's represented by a couple of galleries now, that's no surprise. She's got a show coming up in New York, which she'll tell us about a little later. We're going to talk about why and how that switch happens um, and how that can translate to you and why sometimes you really don't know until the time is upon you. So, a lot of great advice coming from Angela. She uh, came over from Australia many years ago now. Um and moved to London, and you know we're going to talk about what that brings, what coming with a different perspective from an old discipline brings to a new one, and how the advantage of not knowing everything can really resonate too and, and help the practice. So I, I'm sure you'll find out from this show, but Angela is an absolute bundle of energy and a lovely, lovely person, and I, I really love spending time around her and going and checking out a studio and seeing what madcap um, skull or bone she's working with now. <laughs> which you'll hear about in the show she's an absolute character and brilliant brilliant inspiring person so i hope you agree with all that uh, let me know your thoughts get them over on the twitter at arrest all mimics um also i want to mention to you guys i want your thoughts on another issue i'm putting together a special episode on illustration agents coming up soon so if that's your bag whether you're represented, whether you're not represented, whether you do or you don't want to be represented. I would like to hear the questions that you would like put into some of the bigger illustration agents in the world. My idea is to round as many as I can up, sit down, talk to them and ask the tough questions and find out just a range of what they're all about and what they can offer and just such things as approaching agents, what it means to be represented, why you might not want to be represented... All these topics I want to cover, so I'm going to need you the help of you guys for this. So do get me your thoughts over. Hit me up on the Twitter at Arrest All the Mix, or you can always get me directly, hello at bentallen.com, if you want to come one-to-one and you want to be a little bit more quiet about your business. But I'm really looking for your thoughts on this. Um, as I pick up the pieces from this trip, I've just had to what one client I work for in New York described as America, like tacky Americana at its best in Orlando. That's what it was. It was full of like nasty diners and takeaway outlets. But I was there for WrestleMania 33, which was just incredible. The spectacle of the event, 75,000 fellow wrestling geeks in town. It was one hell of a trip. And I just got the usual inspiration from New York. Um, like I say, picking up the pieces from that. I was out there, I interviewed Stephen Bliss, who you might know from his iconic work for the cover of Grand Theft Auto 3 and 4, like Vice City and all that stuff. 
done a lot of amazing work since, which we're going to talk about. I met him in New York in, um, I've gone blank on the area. Uh, somewhere in Brooklyn, anyway. Top guy. And um, so we've got him coming up. We've got Kyla Paolucci returning to the show, talking about the balance between her in-house design work at HBO and her personal, very deep kind of typographic lettering work. It's a very fascinating show. Uh, I talked to Louisa St-Pierre, who kindly gave me her time from Bernstein and Andrewley, um, who also represent Stephen Bliss, Rod Hunt, Stan Chow. They've got an incredible range of, of creative professionals, photographers, um, like illustrators. They're getting into VR, so we've got all that stuff coming up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's all coming about. So in the meantime, while I'm picking up the pieces, do let me know. Get me your thoughts on the agency special. What would you want to hear from an illustration agent? What do you want to know? And I will try and put it to them as I go along over the next few weeks and months. And we'll have that coming for you probably in the summer. Um, yeah, so we'll get to it in a second. My book, Champagne and Wax Crayons, is now available at the House of Illustration. Um, it's also available at the Bookseller Crow in Crystal Palace. So if you're in the area and you want to get it from an independent bookstore do go and check them out. Um, and if you want to just get it online, you can get that on Amazon too. Balls out honest account of going going out as a freelancer and making a you know a living from your, from your passion and your profession. So there you go. Anyway, without further ado, thank you to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and printed.com. Cheers for tuning in. Feedback on Twitter, arrest all mimics. Here you go, Angela Morris, Windmill. Yeah, so I'm going back in fashion. I studied fashion design in Sydney 20 odd years ago uh, and it was something I wanted to do from six years old and mm. um, my great grandmothers taught me to make tapestries when I was four uh, when I was six years old I got a sewing machine for my birthday Wow! and I was making all my dolls clothes and and, and uh, little bags and, and things like that and uh, I think by the age of 11 I was making my own clothes and some clothes for friends Wow! Um, and then I went into high school um, but I, I, I all my nanas sewed my mother didn't sew, my mother knitted but all my nanas and my great grandmothers were sewers um, just as their, their, their outlet and, and to make everyone clothes growing up um, and I love I, I love that they taught me these things. I loved that this was what I could do anytime, any anywhere. Uh, I would walk the playground at school stitching or knitting mm. with my friends. I would make things and sell them to kids at school. Um, I would even make, in the 80s, I would make tartan trousers because nice. they were really big nice. thing then. And so in high school, I would get little orders from friends. Can you make me? Here's the fabric. Tartan trousers. Yeah, $10. Right? Wow. <laughs> Um, so all through from the age of six, I wanted to be a fashion designer. I come from a family that's not creative at all, other than the sewers, uh, but my immediate family, um, I, they, they were into hunting. I grew up with two brothers and my dad, who was a shooter, we would hunt oh. and we, or we would build model airplanes. Um, it was never, there was never a girl thing. Well, the only girl in the house, there was never, so if, if my time alone was always sewing. Um, or drawing. I was always drawing for as long as I could remember. Um, so I went through high school. I went to an all-girls high school. The careers advisor at my high school of a thousand girls, when I came to her in Newtown and said, oh, you know, I, I want my work experience to be with a fashion designer, she kind of scoffed and said, I've never had anyone who wanted to be a fashion designer. I can't help you. And I thought, we're in a girls' high school of a thousand girls. And you've never had anyone who wanted to go into this field. So she wouldn't find me work experience. So uh, I had this cafe job on weekends. And one of the university, um, there was a university person there who worked there. Um, and I think she did textiles at uni. And she just said to me, write to Carlson Party. And Carlson Party was one of the biggest names in Australia. Then, though I hadn't heard of her because I came from tiny suburban Western Sydney. But she was a really, really huge designer, married to a politician in Canberra. Wow. And so I, me just going, yeah, okay. I went and told the careers advisor, I've written a letter to Carlos and Party in the middle of the city to do a week work experience. And she just thought, oh my God, Carlos and Party, you will never get work experience with Carlos and Party. Well, Carlos and Party wrote back to me as my 15-year-old, 16-year-old self and, and said, yes, you can do work experience. And I had a ball. I loved it. And... Uh, 
I then knew where I was going to go and study. Um, so I studied what is part of the Institute of the Arts in Sydney, um, East Sydney Technical College. And it's one of the most sought-after fashion designing um, courses to do. So people from America and Asia come over and it's like 4,000 people try out for an exam and portfolio. Uh, they only take 40 a year. Yeah. My high school said, because I was from a single-parent family on the other side of the tracks, I would never get a place and that I should think of a different career. I got in. <laughs> uh, it was then a fight between the art department and the textiles department at school as to why Angela got in. It's because of us. No, it's because of us. And I thought, no, none of you had any play in this. It's because I, had my, I only ever had a plan A in my life back then. It was only, and that was plan A, and I got plan A. Um, so I did that course. It was really hard work. It was an 80-hour week for three years. Um, it's 40 hours lecture time and then it was 40 hours work at home so you and they told us day one you will eat drink and live fashion you will do nothing else and by mm. the end of the course three quarters have dropped out um, and it was tough you had no life you couldn't see your friends it really was I have friends at uni doing economics who had 15 hours a week <laughs> I was so jealous <laughs> um and the recession hit when I graduated. It took a long time to get a job. Got a job. Um, could never get a designer's job. Always a designer's assistant. And it, it was like you couldn't be a designer unless you had a pot of money mm. to make your own, own business. Um, and after a few years, I came here for a holiday. I then got married to someone in Oz and was coming here for two years. And 21 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> um, but when I got here... I could get designer jobs and not assistant jobs, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. And I would I actually dive straight into jobs, um, being head designer, managing 20 women in a design room, just with the odd guy. It's quite imbalanced in that way, I think. Um, and that was a, there was a bit of a cultural shock as well when I got... I didn't expect to get um, the great jobs that I did get. Mm. Um, and the cultural shock was that uh, people like cutters on your team who were low down the food chain in the design room would get really upset if I couldn't say please 20 times for something. Whereas in Australia, we don't go, could you please do this job by three o'clock? Please, please, please. Okay, right. very much. So, yeah, we were just like, can you get that done? Thanks, yeah, mate. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that was a bit of a, a shock to the system, a bit of a learning. It took me a, probably a year. So, yeah. I guess it would be, wasn't it? If, if you're required to be polite and you've and you've worked in a place where you've everyone leaves that at the door and goes, we're in business mode now. Yeah, but also it's so hot in Australia. Yeah, you've got no time to say pleases, pleases, pleases. <laughs> yeah, you got a deadline. Can you do that? Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> you know. Brilliant. Um, uh, and um, so I've really enjoyed my, my my time in fashion for number of years and I got to go to New York and LA mm. and do shopping trips with my, my one of my bosses and I used to go to Paris and Germany and they were I loved them loved them loved them but then kids came along what sort of stuff just just to, just to go say on the fashion thing a bit longer what, what, what kind of stuff are we talking when you say fashion design just, just from someone who's, who's outside that industry and so I did a lot of designing for the high street then so mm. often I'd work for a, a manufacturing company in London and we would have something like 200 High street names on mm. our list, so I would come up with a collection. Oh, so you were designing? So I did clothes. everything from shirts to oh, wow. uh, casual wear to outerwear to um, it was, and it was everything from next to Oasis to Primark, up and down the whole okay, wow. range. So then your buyers would come in and look at the collection, and depending on what volume of fabric your your director could get hold of. Uh, in France or, or Romania or wherever it was from, the person who would get the most volume would get the best price, uh, and it was a competition to try and outdo other companies. Okay. To, yeah. yeah. So sometimes I'd be asked in a meeting with fabric wraps, and my director of the company would say, "Ange, do you like that?" And I'd say, yeah. yeah. And he'd say, "Should we get a hundred thousand meters?" And I'm, okay. Um, <laughs> but then it's like, shoot, <laughs> I, I, I have to make sure I I like it enough that we're going to sell it. Um, and it was often someone from Oasis would come in or Next or some, and they like, in that, in that directive, um, pick out a trouser I'd done, yep, buy it so many units. And then someone like 
Super Saver, which was the brand then for um, Sainsbury's um, store, their, their clothing label will come in. And we like that, but no, you can't, we can't afford the price that you have sold it, but we love it so much. How can we buy it? We'd rip the pocket off, we'd do a little fake pocket on it. It's the same fabric, almost the same cut, but just to their size spec that they would have, because everyone has different size specs. 112 here is not the same as 112 in another company as such. And then because of the volume, we could get priced right down. And so essentially, people who are buying our Oasis trouser are then seeing almost a similar thing from Primark or Super Saver. And it's just all about cost and profits and right, less okay. creativity in that sense yeah. for me. Ah, yeah. So, so, just, um, so that's, not, that's not that design being ripped off. That's done within the same company by a lower price point. Yeah, we, we, we tweaked it. Uh, because I always you would think, you know, when you see, I don't know, like, say, a George Astor, and it looks a bit like an Armani, for example, I always just thought, how do they get away with that? Because that's blatantly close to what that is. So it's done by the same... A trip so used to do to the States was because all the... I would have to go over. Basically, it was a photographic in secret shopping trip where I would have to go into all the stores that <laughs> I knew my buyers might affiliate with. Secretly photograph, pretend I'm shopping with my boss. Oh, wow. Um, try not to get caught and then come back here and then show them what we've found. Do yeah. a whole lot of watered down sketches to what the States was doing. And that's what the English market wanted then. Mm. So that's why you see all these similarities. And also in, in the whole fashion realm of things. It's not just fashion, but it's in... Um, in development of, of uh, different fibres and fabrics and materials, industrial things mm. and uh, in uh, interiors. There, there are these books and these like these Bibles you can get from different companies that have had design teams come together and they've made what each the next decade is. So the next decade is already essentially being designed as we approach it. We already mm. know what we're going to be wearing, what colours, what yeah. fabrics, what technology... And everyone worth their salt who wants the best business will, will buy these. They're, they're hundreds and thousands of pounds, these, these Bibles. Yeah. Right. So it's not as <laughs> going and draw a picture and a sketch yeah. as you might think. Oh, no. Um, as anybody out there might think it is. It's, mm. it's, everything is down to how much money can we make off this. And are we going... So that's why you see designers coming out with the same colour palette. Because mm. uh, the fabric mills have, have picked up on the design volumes and yeah. chosen the colour palettes from there and what they think their clients like best. And that's why there's, it, it flows. You can go into yeah. one store on the high street, buy something, and it'll match something else in a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what a fascinating world, which, I mean, not to leap too far ahead, the Angela Morris windmill that I see now and the work that I love seems to be some distance from that. So what, 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 and what, were this big, what was the beginning of your transition from that to, to I... being the artist you are now? I went on um, a show called Project Pat Walk from Sky One about nearly 10 years ago. And I was one of 13 contestants, design contestants, to live in a house um, and uh, produce for models in the space of 24 hours different um, projects we were given. And then each week a designer was eliminated. And it was, wow. it, was, uh, <laughs> it was like Big Brother for designers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder what that feel like. <laughs> Please don't look it up. Um, <laughs> um, basically, I was in the house for three weeks, just living on adrenaline. You'd wake up every morning and want to vomit. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know what you were going to be throwing that day. Right? Um, anyway, went on that show, came out, and... Um, I'd, I'd always, I had started working on corsetry before. I'd always loved fashion history, always loved um, really beautiful fabrics. Um, and I'd started working on corsetry. I, I, so I've trained in everything in design, right down to lingerie, but I really want to look at historical corsetry. And so when I came out of there, um, I'd done more self-training and in, in fine-tuning my couture skills um, and then I, I suddenly went into making gowns for weddings. So I was doing a lot of bespoke wedding gowns and corsets for about four years. But it got to the point 
I knew it wasn't forever. Mm. It was quite intrusive on family life because I worked all weekends. I worked all hours I could. I never said no to a client because I didn't know if there was going to be a dry season ahead or not in terms of working. I never had a moment off. Um, and it was great. It was all word of mouth. I built up this, this, this whole, whole side of my, my career. But I had a few anorexic brides. And that really, really put, put me off. And I felt like with the intrusion on my family, it had already been a five-year thought. I need to be more creative. I was designing. I, people were happy, loved my work. I was doing all the pattern cutting, all the making, all the beading, everything in my, my, my studio. Mm. But it wasn't, still wasn't creative enough for me. I still had to fit a brief of a client. Yeah do fittings and that was what I loved the most was all the fittings and it was I always felt like I'd been sculpting fabric on people um, and when I got to a few of these clients that, that were just a little bit too anorexic for my liking and a bit too diva-ish um, and not all brides are um, <laughs> the extreme minority. I thought you know <laughs> I think it's time to just make a, make a piece and see where an art piece can go and I, I had one client, that, the turning point was this one anorexic girl, and she must have been a size four, because she couldn't fit my smallest stand, which was a six. And she wanted to yet lose more, another oh stone, she wanted me to adjust this dress, she got more. And I saw every bone in her body, and I felt so disturbed by it. I thought, you know what, I'll honour everybody for the rest of the year till December, then I'm going to try this art thing. Um, I'd, I had friends who were artists um, who were quite happy to have a fashion designer friend but were not happy to have a fashion designer friend who was going to cross over into art. Uh-huh. Um, and the first piece I made, I thought, being my, my love of, of um, his, historical fashion, I was always using this product called Spiral Steel, as it, which is a, a steel boning that you use in bridal gowns and corsetry. And I always thought, it's so beautiful, it should be seen. I, I use this stuff every day. So I constructed a whole gown from 1870 out of it. Mm. Um, and then I entered it into the Royal Academy Summer Exhibition. I was shortlisted out of 11,000 people to be in the show. Of course, the art friends I had then were like, ha, how dare you? We've been trying for years. We're so glad you didn't get in. You just got shortlisted. And, um, but that was like a real boost to me. It was like my first sculpture... I had to wire the whole thing. It took two months to make. Mm. I shredded my hands to pieces doing it because I couldn't work without gloves. I needed to feel the metal. Um, And then a month after that, it got into the Threadneedle Prize at the Mole Galleries. And I just thought, I've got to go with this. And it was in the gallery for, I think, three weeks was the show. Um, I had a lot of good feedback from it. Uh, that must have been a huge I was book. so proud. I was so, so proud. My husband went and bought me a Lily Guinness oh, lipstick lovely. bag <laughs> for the PV. Because I, we I was just so proud. I, I not studied art, but I'd studied fashion design. Mm. And I got this piece in. Um, and well, that was a turning point for I, me. I uh, immediately looked to your different background and, and that I see that as a huge advantage you probably came with a whole different set of references and inspirations from your from your previous career in fashion design which is I would dare say you know makes you stand out give, give a different edge I, I, I can't see the piece I can't comment but I would guess yeah. that yes. you, it was something that just turned people's heads a little more than maybe stuff that's existed and been created only in a world with the same old references. Maybe that's a little unfair to the more arty people, but I'm always intrigued with people who've come from a different industry. Yes. Would you agree with that? Did that? Um, yes, for, for a long time after that, so I went on to make more um, sculptural metal gowns um, following that, that one. Um, but for, a, I guess for about two years after that, I, I kept thinking, do I need to go and study? I don't know the names of anyone. You're lucky if I can tell you five artists I like, right? And they'll be like Picasso, Degas, yeah, right? Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, um, I always went to art galleries, all that sort of thing. But I felt like I was um, an imposter. Yeah. That's, that's what I kept feeling like. Am I an, an imposter? I, it was safe for me to make these gowns because they were still fashion. And I was using a material that I've always used. Mm. So I was 
They were, I'm still modeling. Uh, I collect um, antique tailor stands. So they were always to the shape of a stand from 1850 or 1870 and such. Um, but yeah, for the first two years, I felt like an imposter. And it wasn't, uh, I guess I did, after the first year of doing that, um, an antiques dealer saw my work and loved it. And he said to me, what can you paint? And uh, I want to see what you can paint. And that's when I felt sick inside because I thought, oh my God, oh my God, that's so personal. That means someone's going to see what's in my head <laughs> if I paint. Whereas the sculptural gowns, to me, it was like I was still sewing because I was wiring um, the, the spiral still together, which was made up of, you see, lots of tiny holes in the metal. So I was still sewing, in a sense, with bits mm. of galvanised steel wire. So it was very, very safe um, for me. And that's when I thought, do, do I need to stay? I couldn't afford to study. I've got two children, all the rest of family life. Um, and it wasn't until a couple of years ago I thought, no, no, no. I'm fine. And it took me a few years to say I was an artist as well. I couldn't say that. I was a fashion designer having a go at sculpture. <laughs> I find it really uh, ever fascinating how people um, describe themselves and label themselves. That mind's always changing. I always flip, it? I, yeah, I flip between illustrator, uh, illustrator slash art director, illustrator and artist. It's like with each email, ah. I will change the description <laughs> of what I am according to who it is because I cross so many different according things to who, right. And I suppose yes. you're in the same boat in that respect. So Yeah, I think on my business card, I've, I've, I've managed to put artist straight designer straight maker. Yeah. Yeah. You're an artist, no doubt about it. I see you as nothing but an artist. I mean, I know there are all Thank those you. things that are encapsulated within that, but you are. To me, it's like, oh. when When a gallery says to you, when a gallery director says to you, um, you're actually better off coming in, not studying art. Like, I've been told it's quite refreshing that mm-hmm. I don't have a whole set of rules in my head. I have a different set of rules yeah. in my head. And the way I work, other artists might look at the way I work and think, what, why are you doing that? Um, why isn't your room messy? Mm. And uh, why haven't you got paint all over the floor? But that's, that's a whole, that comes from my fashion yeah. making and the, the methodically way that we had yeah. to work and precision that I had to do in pattern cutting. I think the rules are simply what works. It's yeah. for each individual. So it's, I, I mean, my, my own degree I, I loved because it was conceptually thinking driven. We, weren't, we were expected to learn the, the process and the materials in our own time, and obviously on the course, but then I came away and it was did change my mindset, which was the biggest advantage. Yes. So I, I think in your respect, you know, you, like you say, you come in with that. I mean, the fact you were, I love the way you described that, where we're almost moulding the dresses, sculpting the dresses onto these human beings. And now the way I see this in your sculptural work, and that is just, now I start to see dots being joined, you know? Yeah. Which is yeah. Interesting, oh, cool. fascinating. Yeah. yeah, it suddenly makes a whole lot more sense now having learned about that. Yeah, <laughs> when, you, when you make bespoke work on people, you'll, you'll draft whatever the, the garment is, but you'll, you'll always make several in calico, and then you're pinning on them, and especially when you're doing beautiful evening gowns and bridal wear and corsetry, you, uh, you'll get, I'll, I'll get a lot of apologies from, from people who'll say, I'm sorry I haven't shaved my legs today, or I've just come from the gym, <laughs> and I've had... I've had actually doctor clients and we've compared notes and we get the same comments. <laughs> um, but then I'm pinning and I'm pinching all over the person. And t- I, I've always actually told people, um, you don't have to worry about any of that. I can't even see you um, in this. You're, you're like my canvas right now. Yeah. Just to put them at ease because that is how I would see people. So I always saw it as sculpturing on, on the body. Mm. So then what, I mean... What about the two-dimensional stuff then? Because t- suddenly we've gone from that to the 3D and that, and here I'm sat surrounded by these beautiful two-dimensional, yet completely organic paintings. So what happened there? I never, <laughs> I never wanted to uh, fully leave fashion. I, haven't, I don't think I've left fashion. No, not at all. And that was like a, a battle in my mind. What am I? What have I done? Have I betrayed <laughs> my <laughs> six-year-old self? Um... And then I, I, I realised, no, I use everything I've learned from age dot in what I do now. And um, when there's, when there's um, 
uh, antiques dealer challenged me to paint. I didn't realise how much I loved it. I have a condition called cerratic arthritis in my hands. Um, and it's quite a nasty condition. It's hereditary. Uh, I've actually been on chemo for three years for it. Mm. And the only way I can do my art is to be on the medication. Oh, really? Um, and I can be on it for life, if that's what my doctor says I need. Um, and to me, it's a godsend. And I couldn't do the work without it. So there are times of the year, and seasonally, it works better for me in the colder months to be gentle on my hands and mm. painting. Uh, so this, this guy did me a favour challenging me to paint in so many ways. Um, and then in other times of the year, that I, if I have to do the nasty wiring or something heavy-handed, then it's, it's okay in, in warmer months. So I'm quite... I flip from one to the other. Mm. Um, and I'm very happy to. And there'll be times I'm sculpturing and I think, oh man, I can't wait to open up a paint pot and just watch the liquid come out yeah. and all the yummy colours I'm, I'm in love with <laughs> uh, and put it on the canvas and it's just like... <sighs> and you put it up. It's that first... Oh, this feels good, you know, and I yeah. get I get a lot out of it personally yeah. from from that, and it's it you know yeah. I love color and I love I so I used to deal with a lot of a lot of bright colored fabrics and, and gowns and just in working in fashion, um, so to go go from fabric to paint seems all very natural to me. I'm it's still playing. There's, a, there's a great narrative going throughout all this stuff. Thank you. Now I understand a lot better. So. I mean, did you? That must have been a, a real challenge then to paint for the first time. Would the first time. Right? So I've got yeah. one of my first paintings behind you. Oh, okay. It's very primitive now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a real it, development. It's it's um. So I've always done life drawing, and I've always because I grew up hunting with my dad. I I I uh. I kind of wanted to combine the two. And I wanted to combine women's strength and uh, freedom. Um, being a wife and a mother and a woman face a lot of challenges at different stages with your children and your home and yourself mm. and your career. And so I thought, okay, I, I'll use my life drawing scribbles. I always scribble. I go to these classes and they're either classes of 100 one-minute drawings that are over three hours or... There'll be 10 minute drawings or half hour drawings. So I thought, okay, I, I collect ram skulls and steer heads just from my home and stuff. And I thought, let's combine some strength. And um, when I was doing these ones, I thought, okay, I can see masculine and feminine sides in, in everybody. And I wanted to portray that. So, and I love pop art. So my inspiration was keep with my bright colors, keep with my love, my scribbly hand that I naturally do. Mm. Um, Let's just go for it, because what's going to happen if I do wrong? I'll just throw it away, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the, the primitive stuff I started with, like, black, white, and a colour. <laughs> uh, I then um, did a photo shoot with Sebastian Pons with some of my, um, my metal work and some models that he got in, and it was called Hunted. And he'd said to me, you can do this. You can, you can, paint, you can paint faces. You'll be able to paint faces. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it's, I, I, I kind of feel like I've all, I, I have to have a pop art influence. It's, it doesn't look like pop art as we know it, but that's always in the back of my head. Oh, if it did, it'd be too close to parody. And I, and I, and I certainly see the influence in, in a great way. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's by no means, um, I always question it. It's by no means a version of pop art, but I you can't escape the reference there, but it's yeah. very unique to you, which is, you know, it's, it's the, that's the achievement, the glory yes. of it. Yes. No. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and the, the style I, that I paint, I'd forgotten until recently that 20 odd years ago when I studied fashion, all of our fashion illustrations started as they taught us to do what was called flat painting. Hmm. So I don't know if you as an illustrator have heard of flat painting. I haven't. Um, maybe it was an Australian term, I don't know. Um, but it, it, came, it, just, it was a memory that came back to me recently. I thought... You used to do this all the time, just an A4 size that you had mm. to do all those hundreds of folders in, in, in your, your course. Um, so I, that kind of uh, made me feel a little bit 
less of an imposter knowing, actually, you did do some of this before, you just forgot. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're designing like, because going into fashion, you, you don't do any of that in the industry. You're, you're straight into technical sketches and mm. research and directing teams. It's not illustrations as such. Yeah. Yeah. What a broad spectrum of influences. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, within that, we've got everything there. We've got hunting, we've got um, strength in women, there's, you know, illustrative styles and drawing techniques. What, what, what is flat painting? I don't, I don't know. What, it, what's, it is using block colour. It's solid block colour. Okay. No gradient of, of tone yeah. or um, any water down that you might see in watercolours or anything like that. Mm. Um, it's not adding other layers to that one colour. It is strictly... Yeah. In layman's terms, I see it as paint by numbers. Yeah. It always, but it's great. Know. It's very, it's very graphic, and it really grabs me. Like that. I said, the first time I saw this stuff, I was came in your studio, I was kind of wandered in, and hello, and started looking at all your <laughs> stuff. But it blew me away straight away because it, um, I like it for a number of reasons. But it's very powerful. Thank you. Uh, you I think colour is one of your biggest strengths. I think it's yeah. I mean, I don't know if that is informed by your work in fashion or something entirely different, subconscious, I really don't know. I can't start to say that, but it's wonderful. Like, I think your palettes just get better all the time, like the purple behind you there. Uh, unfortunately, I've, I've heard from a gallery, purple backgrounds don't sell. Is the that right? Here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> I love the purple, but apparently purple doesn't sell. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's mine. <laughs> Unless someone buys her. <laughs> so how do you get your speaking out? How do you how do you get your work out now? Do you work for to get a number of galleries? Or? Um so there's been galleries online who contact me and uh galleries who come to open studios. So I currently have work uh with M one Fine Art in Greenwich mm-hmm. who've shown they've done a mini mini solo show of my work with my fashion history combined with my paintings and sculpture. Brilliant. They've got my paintings there now. Um, I've had contact from a New York gallery a couple of years ago who I have a show with in August next year. Uh, so they'll give me a whole room. They will choose 12 to 15 paintings in a year so from exciting. now. I hope you're going over. Um, I have to go over. How can I not go over? <laughs> I was going to say, exactly. I've even been told by one of my models who thinks she'll be living there by then, I have a free house to stay wow. in. <laughs> so, Excellent. Um, uh, so I'm quite excited about that. I haven't quite started that, that yet. I've got a year to paint about 20 paintings that they will then choose 12 to 15 from oh, next exciting. February Wow! Uh, but I've got a lot of ideas that have been building over the last number of months mm. that, and I feel like I've been fine tuning my yeah. work all this time and I'm, I'm glad this has been a, a length of time away for me to process and because mm. I, I want it obviously to go well and I want it to be my best freshest yeah work. yeah <laughs> so yeah when I talk about it anymore I'll start getting nervous <laughs> but I can't wait to see how that uh, develops Sure. Um, there was on your website, let me have a look, I've written it down here, something that really grabbed me, I thought it was really powerful in your bio. Um, duh, 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 I lost it, where's it gone? <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, describing your bio as, as guilty pleasure of dripping seduction. I thought that was amazing. Did you write it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so accurate I'm as well. Impressed. Because I'm, I'm not a writer. So these things take me a long time. Sometimes a title for a painting can take six hours. <laughs> <laughs> Titles of anything are a nightmare. <laughs> so. But that, that's, that's nail on the head as well because it is. It's like when I walk into a studio and I'm surrounded by these things, there is just something so human and so seductive about them. Is that, do you think it's conscious? Do you think... I don't know. It's... Do you know? It's about... Um... It is, because I want them to be sexy. Mm. I, the age I am now, I don't care what people think. <laughs> In your 40s, you're kind of like, right, just lived. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, let's, let's just show it all. Yeah. It's the only way to live. Um, but I want it to be, I want it to be sexy. I want it to be luxurious. I want it mm. to be delicious. Um, and that's, to me, colours are delicious. Sex is delicious. All those things that as humans mm. we, we um, feed off, I think. Yeah. Um, whether anyone realises, even if uh, those who, you know, there are people in my family who don't understand colour, can't draw a stick man to save themselves. But everyone must have something inside them that can relate to God, yeah. these basic things of human self. Yes. The themes, yeah, the themes you discussed there is uh, it's essential underpinning 
Thing, energies, just things, yeah. the great, great organic things that are yeah. beautiful and wonderful and, and endless, you know? Yes, so. absolutely. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, what a... I, want, I want people to feel emotion when they look at my work. I want them to feel hmm. um, like they can't stop looking at my work, but for reasons that the mo- they, they can feel what the model is using. So I use live models hmm. for my work. Um, and I want them to be able to feel what I've tried to get from that person into into the painting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, is the process satisfying? Do you love the process? I love the process. I love the process. I love when I get a new model. I ask anybody. I have no shame. I'm, uh, people are willing to let me dress them up. So I usually, most of the time, the paintings have contained clothes that I've made for... Um, I'll, I'll do like my own kind of photo shoot with them I will tell I get really bossy I (laughs) tell them what I want them to do and people seem to just go with what I'm saying and I sometimes I can take seven hours and it'll be the last two hours I've really gotten something out of that person so much they don't even realise I'm in the room anymore Um, they have fun and that Mm -hmm. whole side still makes me feel like I'm connected to some part of the fashion industry as such yeah um, you know, it's, and, and I've done the odd couple of collaborations with Sebastian Pons and, and his work, and he does a lot of fashion stuff. And that kind of connection, I kind of learn a bit off watching him photograph, and mm. he's not as bossy as me. I just, I apologise all through the shoot. I was like, oh god, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to shout at you like that. <laughs> and there, the person's just enjoying it. You know. You're totally connected to the fashion industry. I mean, you're, you're, but what you're doing is taking it, uh, making your own corner of it, which is wonderful because, I mean, let's face it, fashion, would fashion even be an industry are so seductive if it wasn't full of pioneers and people who, who yeah. had the balls to do something a little different? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. So, well, I still feel like I'm, I'm a part of it, but I feel like I can be so much more creative now with it. There's no, mm. no pressure on being confined. I used to get told all the time at work, you're quirky, you turn it down. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago, yeah. It's really interesting. Because I, I, I think probably a lot of artists, a lot of any sort of form of visual communicators probably have certain taboos or restrict themselves in certain ways. So I find it incredibly refreshing to see someone such as yourself doing this and being so open about that and putting that out there and going, this is what it is. It is, it's seductive, it's, it's gorgeous. And that's, I think that's great. Oh, cool. I talked to Malika Favre, who's a French illustrator who's on the show, and she said she was always taught for quite bohemian parents and was taught to be open and, and, and not be afraid of making work sexy and things and that. And it was great. And the first commission was for Penguin and she did a Kama Sutra A to Z illustration. Wow. And it's just, and wow. In a, a very different style to yours, but very uh, it's very flat and graphic and very vectors, but it's, it's got a, a sexiness of its own, and, and, and I just I find that brilliant in, in, in creative people. Yeah. So I guess I guess that com- coming back around to you with that, that probably makes it an advantage for you that, that certain people are restricted by taboos. You know, that, is that something you've always felt open to doing this stuff, or is it something that's developed over time? No, this is something I couldn't do until recent years. Uh, I didn't grow up in a household that says be open Mm. Um, didn't even discuss sex (laughs) so uh, it's it's taken a long time to be comfortable in myself to do these things that if someone was to question I can go yeah yeah this is what it is Um, one of my favourite artists is Egon Schiele I hope I've said that right. One of my French friends always laughs at me because he thinks I say it right. <laughs> so I hope I said that right. And um, if you know his work, it, it, he just a lot of, has done a lot of drawings and paintings of women just being themselves and being very sexual and being very open and um, it's very brave, very honest. Um, uh, and I've been inspired by artists like that and that's made me think, well, this person was in the early 20th century if I got that right I got that right um so brave then what's going to stop me in our time gotcha to just just do it if my my kids love my my work my son was here the other night and he's only 12 and uh, they used to say to me your sculptures are scary (laughs) 
your paintings, Mom. My son said, can I have whatever paintings you've got in the studio that you've not got in the gallery? All the way up the hall to my bedroom, please. Wow, really? Um, what a great compliment. Because kids, kids are honest. Oh, my God, yeah. Kids don't lie. <laughs> you can rely on that. Oh, yeah. If they hate you, they're going to tell you. And if they love you, they'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and that just, I just feel so flattered. And my, I didn't know. My daughter shows my Instagram account to her friends all the time at school. And she's in year 13 that's and, brilliant and when her friends come over they're like oh can we see can we see your mum's studio out back because I have a garden studio as well yeah. as this one and uh, some of them have come here and and to see that generation in awe of you it kind of feels yeah, yeah I got it yeah that's I've a cool it. parent that's that's cool. Cool. I got it <laughs> <laughs> my kids told tell everyone about me I got yeah. it <laughs> And hopefully how empowering for them as well as you, you know, the, the fact that you've grown into that coming from a different yeah. background, probably more powerful than if you were, you had always had that because you wouldn't know anything other than that. Whereas yeah. you did know something other and now you're here. What an amazing journey. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully, like you say, how empowering for, for your kids to grow up around. I like, I like to think that I'm teaching them and I've always been able to teach them to be open. Very close, we have very good conversations. Mm. I'll be very frank and honest. Um, and I like to think that my art will help them to be the people that they want to be mm. now, not decades from now. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I had a similar thing with my mum, not to go into detail about that, but she was just, same thing, great. Uh, always, you know, practically warned me never to let anyone, that, let anyone else's thoughts or opinions affect me in a negative way, you know? Yeah. It's so important in, in being able to go and do a career in the arts for me. Um, yeah. And just open doors and just be comfortable with who I am and who I want to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's so uh, important. It is. I I feel really sorry for people who go through life with inhibitions and not able to open up in that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you find that people connect with your work um, for those reasons? Do you you think it's apparent to the casual viewer? Um, I don't know. When my work sells through the gallery, I don't get to meet the client. And I always wonder... Where is that painting sitting in the house? My mm. most recent painting that sold was like a, a meter and a half high by one twenty wide. It's wow. quite a sizable piece, and I wish I could meet the household that has that. Um, when people come to open studios and they come in here, so it's just anybody from the surrounding areas who come along. Some people have come into my studio and stood for an hour to look, and they don't tell me why they like my work. They just tell me they love my work and they can't leave my room, <laughs> which is such a huge compliment. It's yes. such a huge compliment. Massive. And also, isn't that the beauty, you know, that someone might see something completely different to what you originally Absolutely. had in mind? That's, that's what art is. It's, it's interpretation. And never want to dictate. Yeah. If someone asks me what's this about, I'll tell them yeah. what it is for me um, and what the title means and mm. such. But I'm very happy for people to, to think their own stories or yeah. if the eyes of the model has connected or some movement or mm. maybe it's just the colours they like or something. And the idea that a thousand different people can see a thousand different things yeah. um, is surely that gives it eternal life. Yes. I've always wanted to leave this life when my time is up, knowing I left mm. a bunch of stuff behind. Yeah. yeah. So that leads me on to, because I've always, what I see... I mean, me, I guess, case in point, I see your stuff from a, a hundred different perspectives because I work in increasing amounts of fields, so in art direction with bands and, and in film and in set design mm-hmm. and things. Is that something you have ever thought about doing, like using your work in, not just your paintings, but your, your, your 3D, your sculptural stuff? Because I, I, I think it would make the most amazing costumes uh, for the right, let's say, films or television. Uh, paintings and set designs I can see uses for that is it something you considered it's, or would be willing to do it's something um, I'd love to take in other directions being, being on some of some fashion photo shoots with, with sort of done props for some some photo shoots of fashion pieces um, and I've absolutely loved that and my life with my children has restricted my career as such so far um, my son's autistic he's now in a, in a, in a new school my daughter's about to finish her A-levels. They have a lot of medical things between them. Um, and I'm now starting to feel like my time is going to come soon where I, uh, 
as a mother, I can have more more time to be more adventurous, to be more explosive. Where mm. can this go? I feel like I'm getting to... I'm, I hope I'm heading towards the cusp of... Um, I want to do some more unsafe things. Yeah. I still feel like I've been very safe. Um, even even, even that the paintings have become safe to me. Um, so I am exploring more things in sculpture that I wouldn't normally do. Um, and I've been doing moulding courses in metal and, and in silicon oh, wow. um, with London Sculpture Workshop. And I have so many things in my head to do and large-scale things mm. um, that I want to... I, I know I'm going to start to get more time in the next phase of my life yeah. to... If I'm working a 12-hour day, it doesn't matter. Mm. I, I don't have to be home yeah. at a certain time and I'll have some freedom. So I'm all open to whatever Very is next. Good, yeah. good. Because as you can see, so much potential in Thank so you. many cool, powerful things. Yeah, so... You know, just the, the sheer range that we've talked about within your work opens it up for so many different, again, interpretations. And, and you know, hopefully someone's vision might, might give you a whole a whole new life to something that you thought maybe you'd maxed it out. I don't know. Absolutely. You know, just, yeah, it's exciting. You, you, what I love about being an artist is that if you're open, it doesn't matter what's next. There's, everything is exciting. There's never a dull day. There's never yeah. a boring day. There's. It's always... Oh my god! I didn't know I could learn that, mm. or do that, or that person said they can introduce me to that. Right now, I'm working with my local butcher, yeah. who gives me cow carcasses. Oh wow! Uh, what collaboration! <laughs> <laughs> so this is an organic butcher called William Rose in East Dulwich, and he happily I used to get my pheasants from him that I put on sculpture gowns before. Um, and he now gives me whole spines and rib cages of cows that I'm currently cleaning and macerating in buckets at home. <laughs> I just cook on the stove and my family just run away because there's pots everywhere. <laughs> it stinks. My three dogs go crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the hungriest dogs on the planet. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, God. I, I found quite pleasurable hours just picking flesh off bones <laughs> now with scalpels. I call myself Dr. Angela in my garden studio. <laughs> I wear masks, I have gloves on, I have scalpels, I have aprons. Wow. Um, you will never have an awkward neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I went to my butcher yesterday to give them a thank you gift for the last cow. Because um, I never <laughs> want any money or anything. Uh, they're just intrigued with what am I going to do. Um, they were so overwhelmed. I brought this wine and goodies and stuff. And then they said, if you turn around, there's another cow. We're just bringing in another, oh. another side of cow. <laughs> do you want to see what we got all the, all the stuff off last time? So they, they take me out to the cool room and let me photograph things. And it's mm. really quite, quite cool. And you should have an exhibition in the butchers. In the butchers. I have a giant 50s... Um, Butcher's weighing scales that I, I bought about five years ago, knowing I'm going to do something with that. And I thought it would be uh, with a series called Hunted Women, um, which I might still work on um, in, in the sense of uh, rib cages and things. But I am visualizing when I clean the bones, I'm doing gold leafing and diamond dusting and metal work on them, uh, of hanging them. I'd love to see them hanging in a gallery from these mm. meat hooks. Alchemy. And I found some more meat hooks in Exeter this week. Oh. <laughs> I'm not hunt for meat hooks. Wow. Yeah, it's like it's alchemy almost what you're doing. It's, yeah. yeah it's, 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 these processes, but oh God, it's, it's, it's all intriguing. It's on the car, I've been born its own way. Yeah, I didn't even know that term until a couple of years ago. You no? Know? Yeah. I mean, just to my right for the listeners, a huge pink skull of some description coming yeah. in almost looks like frosted cereal it's, it's, it's diamond dusting is that diamond yeah. dusting yeah and some of it still needs scaling and what down is, what is the skull and the skull is I've I've kind of moulded this in my own way off a steer head skull that I bought several years back it used to hang <laughs> in my house and my family hated it so they're quite happy it's here <laughs> right now wow it's um, just amazing so um yeah, it was on. It's it's for a series called Holy Cow, <laughs> 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 which is where all these cows 
are coming from. It's, it's about taking beauty out of things that we throw. I, lo- I love recycling. So it's, it's about taking beauty out of something. And Because I grew up hunting with my dad and we would only shoot what we would eat in the middle of nowhere and respect the animal and use the skin and, and mm. all of that side of things I grew up with. Um, I love taking that into what I do now. So if I use pheasants, we eat the pheasants at home and I will use the skins and the feathers mm. and the wings. Yeah. Um, and I'm only, I only try to use animals that we would eat. So I go to the butcher and he's happy to give me a cow. And uh, I, I, love, I love to show beauty in things that you might be mundane or let's just discard it. Yeah. Yeah. I want these pieces to live forever. Mm. As such. Brilliant. <laughs> Such a big fan of all of it. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's next. So yeah, I never have a dull day. I love that I don't have dull days. It's amazing. Right, the last bit I always put my guests on the spot and I ask them, um, called Shark in the Tank section, and I ask them a love and a hate. Very loosely thing within the creative world, but it's a wide open question and I always get really interesting answers from people. A love and a hate? It can be as playful, it can be as of the moment, or it can be as serious as you want. <laughs> I love and I hate. I or, or a positive and a negative. Hate's a strong word and it doesn't have to be. <laughs> so, um, well, it's something to do with, with art. And well, it, it's and a hate. very open question, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, love, I love being able to see beauty in anything that's discarded like I just described. I love seeing beauty. I love... Because uh, I can relate it to the fashion world I used to be in. Um, and mod- models and how they're portrayed and how women are portrayed and I like to see the reverse in things uh, so that, that's kind of I guess that's the serious note mm. um, even designers and design rooms will try to be as thin as models in that sense and you're not accepted unless you're this or that and so in my art life I, I like to think actually let's just take whatever is, is, is seen as ugly or as grotesque or as rubbish and what can we what can we beautiful how can we see this as actually a beautiful piece in its own right as such it's amazing what so, a great approach sorry what a great approach thank you yeah so I'd like to see that now. and it's like what, like what I try to teach my children it's like what I try to think in my work so that's a love so <laughs> I hate what do I I hate, I hate or dislike, hate or dislike. You know what? I I can't say hate or dislike, but something I, I always find I'm trying to turn into a positive is when people say to me, I can't draw. And these are non-artist people. Um, it can be anyone coming into my studio or that I meet or a friend of a friend or a family member, whoever. And I can't help but always say, actually, I believe anyone can draw. It's just your mark on the page. And even your two lines this way is your drawing. And I mm. feel like, I guess that's, that's what I hate, is that people feel like they can't. When drawing can be expressed in so many ways, it doesn't have to be a photographic representation mm. or illustration of a portrait of your, your friend sitting next to you. Mm. So that's what I'm always trying to change. Yeah, it's perception, isn't it? Yeah. Of what drawing is. Yeah. And that probably goes against every art college or university out there or something I'm like right that. I'm right on board, I agree completely. <laughs> yeah. But I believe everyone can draw. Me too. It's, even if it's just a line. Yeah. That's, I mean, absolutely. That's your, Some that's of the most drawing. naive, simple stuff is the most beautiful, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But until you can see that that is, is a valid way of thinking, it's hard to break the, the, the sort of yeah, restrictive mindset, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Great answers. Cool. <laughs> they're always good, they're always good. People always freak out a little bit first, but then they always give really good answers. Yeah, never been asked that before. And lastly, where can people check out your work? Uh, so I have a website, which is www.angelamorriswindmill.com. I have an uh, Instagram account, which is Sculptress by Day, and I'm on Twitter, which is Sculptress by Day. Um, it's because I paint at night (laughs) 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 and M1 Fine Art Gallery in Greenwich is uh, a stockist of my work at the moment fantastic 
Brilliant. Well, uh, thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much to Angela for taking the time out of her busy schedule to talk to me about all the things she's been up to in a rather, I want to say organic studio. I don't know if that quite holds up. In some ways it is. <laughs> in other ways it's it's like zombie zone in there, animal, animal zombie zone. Anyway, I'm on one. It's brilliant. I love it. Um, she's a great character and thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I hope you enjoyed it. Get me your feedback over on the Twitter at Arrest All Mimics. Also get me your thoughts and questions, what you'd want to ask illustration agents. I'm going to be talking to them all very soon and I want your questions factored into this. So get those over. Hit me up on my email at, sorry, hello at bentallen.com. If you're a little busy or you're a little quiet and you don't want to go on the public realm, do that in private. So, yeah, that's it. We've got some amazing guests coming up, coming soon. We've got Sundance, the sort of opening for submissions for Sundance Festival 2018 is coming up soon. So I'm going to be talking to independent director David Cohen about all the different creative roles on independent film or just film and what things mean and where you can plug in so I hope that's going to be of some use we're going to be talking to him about his independent film his 10 minute short which was in the top 10 for the 48 hour film competition which he's just currently putting together another submission for so that's very eye opening whether you're an illustrator, designer, a set designer a director of photography or maybe you just don't know where you fit into any role on film but David's going to open that door a little bit and tell us about all the different roles and where you might be able to use your skills on a film production so I found that very fascinating as somebody who has an interest in working in television and film if you do too you might want to check that one out and spread the word uh, Sandra Deepman's returning to the show in a few weeks' time to talk about her epic and incredible um, debut children's book, Leaf. It's something else, believe me. So we've got the full story on that, and Sandra is in fine form. Go back and listen to her first episode for her own personal journey story, which is amazing in its own right. So, as ever, I think that's it for now. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, like I say, thank you to my amazing sponsors, illustrationweb.com heartinternet.co.uk, printed.com, and also the Association of Illustrators who've been supporting the show, the AOI.com. So thank you for listening, and as ever, and I will see you very soon, guys. Cheers. Listening to a restful minute.